Check one, two. Good to see everybody. Welcome if you're new. Welcome if you're not. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm going to play a song called I Know. And it's just um, exclaiming God's goodness and the fact that, uh, that we may not have seen him, but he's always present with us as he is this morning. So let's enter into worship this morning. You don't answer all my questions But you hear me when I speak And you don't keep my heart from breaking But when it does, you weep with me You're so close that I can feel you When I've lost the words to pray I've never seen you I've seen enough to say I know that you are good I know that you are kind I know that you are so much more Than what I leave
Good morning. I want to welcome you to Grace this morning. I'm Mike, the senior pastor. If you're a visitor, I especially welcome you and those of you that are worshiping online with us. This is obviously the season of Lent, and we're in the fourth uh, Sunday of Lent. This morning, as a call to worship, I want to invite you to consider asking for more of God's presence. In the gospel reading we'll get to, it says that everyone will be salted with fire, and it's talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to talk about how the Holy Spirit works in the small things of our lives, not just the big grand things. So come into God's presence with those small details, those small kingdom moments where God might be at work, and ask for more of the Holy Spirit. And um, He's here. God is in this place. And so let's be attentive to God's presence. Now, I want to invite you to stand, and we're going to enter into his presence with our opening song. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see. to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. Please join with me in praying the Collect for Purity. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you 
and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. And in Lent, we hear the whole Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, in a call-and-response format. God spoke these words and said, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods but me. Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. You shall not make for yourself any idol. Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. Honor your father and your mother. Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. You shall not murder. Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. You shall not commit adultery. Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. And you shall not covet. Lord, have mercy upon us and write all these your laws in our hearts, we beseech you. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one, have mercy upon us. In Lent, we take on some extra practices to pressing closer to God, and oftentimes what it does is it reveals the depth of our sin. So we move the confession to the front of our service in this season. So I want to invite you to kneel if you are able, otherwise you may be seated as we together join in confessing our sins to Almighty God. Now let us humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker and judge of us all, we acknowledge and lament our many sins and offenses which we have committed by thought, word, and deed against your divine majesty, provoking most justly your righteous anger against us. We are deeply sorry for these, our transgressions. The burden of them is more than we can bear. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. For your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may evermore serve and please you in newness of life to the honor and glory of your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in His great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn to Him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now hear the Word of God to all who truly turn to Him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And now as a forgiven people, I invite you to stand and let's join in singing God's praises and asking for more of his spirit.
You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Because we need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. A holy anointing, the power of your presence. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, Lord, pour your spirit out. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Gracious Father, whose blessed Son, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven to be the true bread which gives life to the world. Evermore give us this bread, that he may live in us, and we in him. He the one who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated now for the reading of God's word. The first lesson is from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. And this can be found on page 1007 in the Pew Bible. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it was is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, 
whose designer and builder is God. The word of the Lord. I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. And they came to Capernaum. And when Jesus was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him into his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him, because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones to believe, who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were thrown, were hung around his neck, and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes it to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than, when two, than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. The gospel of the Lord is to you, Lord Christ. Please join me in a prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you that your love for us is so great that you are willing to go to the cross. And I thank you also that you love us so much that you don't just leave us where we are, but you have more for us and even challenge us. So I pray for the courage for each one of us to want what you want in our lives. And as the preacher this morning, I ask that you would help me preach faithfully and true to your word. And I ask this in your holy name. Amen. You may be seated. There are a number of very good logical arguments for why the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are trustworthy eyewitness accounts and tellings of the story of Jesus. One of them is the fact that the details seem misarranged when you compare the Gospels. And A Gospel Harmony is a book that tries to line up all four columns, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and put the stories in a similar order. And it, it's, you can't do it well because 
they, they didn't line up. They don't line up. And that's because each gospeler, each writer of a gospel was trying to tell the story with a specific emphasis. In the case of Mark, when you look at Matthew and Luke's accounts of this teaching, if the word order isn't different, the pastoral context is different. And now, Jesus taught the same things over and over again as an itinerant teacher would in different con contexts, but Mark is doing something specific here, and it's helpful for us to just think, these guys are not corroborating their story, so they say the exact same thing. They each are telling us one facet of who Jesus is. Another reason that we can trust the Gospels is because the disciples' ignorance is so painfully on display. If, if they were making this story up, they would have certainly made themselves look better. In the paragraph right before this, Jesus has just told them the second time that he's going to die in Jerusalem and rise on the third day. And in the paragraph, um, it's, it says, in verse, um, back at verse 32 of Mark 9, it says, but they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to ask him. This is the second time he said it, and the first time Mark says, he said this clearly. Last week we saw that. What's not to understand? I'm going into Jerusalem, the chief priests and elders will hand me over, and the Romans will crucify me. On the third day, I will rise. It's as plain as can be, and they just are so thick they can't get it. And by the way, I, I, you and I would be right where they are if we were back then. We have the, the help of 2,000 years of church history, and we have this book in our hands. But it's just showing that they didn't get it, and many of us, most of us, frankly, are like them. You know, I'm a kid of the church. I grew up as a Catholic kid in church, and I got religion and got formed by regular mass and going to church, but I didn't know God. I mean, I knew that there was this historical figure named Jesus who died on a cross and rose on Easter. I got that, but I didn't personally know him as the God who is alive and present in the world right now. And when that happened, going to church changed entirely for me. Going back to the the ways of religion, but with a relationship was radically different. And the same thing happens for these disciples. When they finally get it on the other side of the resurrection, they change the world. You're sitting here because of God's power through those, those 11 guys, the 11 faithful disciples that follow Jesus. So let me ask you this question, uh, because uh, people out there are actually asking this question in one form or another often. What does it mean to be a real disciple? People are done with religion. They're done with some kind of fake Christianity. They want to know what real discipleship looks like, and how would you answer that? And this morning, as I prayed, I want to say, God loves you. He loves you and accepts you exactly right where you are. The lightning bolt is not going to strike your pew because a sinner is in his church, and you're the only one that's a sinner in here. We're all broken people. He loves you exactly where you are, and he doesn't expect you to do anything except come to him. But then, because he loves you, he is going to challenge you until you are holy and perfect like him, which is going to be difficult. So this message is really part two of last week. He says, take up your cross and follow me, and this is the cost of discipleship. And again, context matters. I want you to note that Jesus in this text is talking to the 12, the 12 disciples. He's intentionally not around the crowds, and he's going to say hard things to them because he loves them. And he's going to say hard things to us because he loves us. So what does it mean to take up our cross is what's being asked here. And I want to suggest to us this morning that big, big and effective, big discipleship comes in the small things. You know, in my small group Thursday morning, our Mark group, 
we all agreed that we would much rather go out in a blaze of glory for Jesus and be slaughtered and die in one big, powerful, glorious moment than die by a thousand cuts of learning to be a servant-hearted person. It's way harder to do it that way. It's in the small things that your character is formed. We want the big, flashy, glorious thing, and God's like, no, I'm going to do this moment by moment, bit by bit. I'm going to heal you moment by moment, bit by bit, even with cut by cut. I'm going to cut things out of you like a master surgeon. This is what, this is what discipleship means. So God cares about the seemingly insignificant things, but the disciples don't get that. They're up on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John are. They see Jesus gloriously transformed. He asks who they say he is. Peter says the Christ last week. Jesus calls him Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You don't have the things of God in mind. And then he says, I'm going to die and on the third day rise, and you have to take up your cross and follow me. And they just don't get it. And they're coming down the road back from the way up in the north, and they're having a discussion. They're strung out, right? They're spread out in a row of however many. It's not like a pack of 13 walking. And they're having a discussion, an argument. They're arguing who's the greatest disciple. They completely missed Jesus' teaching about taking up the cross, and they're arguing of who's the greatest. Now, why would they do this? Well, it could be because Jesus turned to Peter and said, you are Peter, which means rock, and I'm going to build my church on you, making Peter look more important than the others. And he did take Peter, James, and John into some cool stuff that the others didn't get to see. They were on the Mount of Transfiguration. The rest were down in the valley with an epileptic boy that they couldn't heal. And so I can almost hear them whining, like, why do you take Peter, James, and John? Why don't we get to go? You ever hear much about Bartholomew? No, you don't. Peter, James, and John. And so my guess Maybe they got that Jesus is going to die, and they're thinking, okay, well, when Jesus dies, who's going to take over our movement? You know, we have his authority, he says, he gave us his authority, and we went on those mission trips, and, you know, demons submitted, and people got healed. Well, and they're arguing, I should do it. No, I should do it. And they get to the house, and Jesus says, hey, guys, what were you talking about on the road while you were walking there? (laughs) And they're awkwardly silent. I don't know if he knew supernaturally, or he just overheard them. And so what does he do? He does what Jesus always does. He seizes a moment for a teaching lesson, and there's a little child sitting there. He goes over, and he picks up this kid, I don't know how big, a little child in his arms, and holds him, and gives an object lesson, and says, this is how you come into the kingdom. If you want to be great, become like this, an insignificant child. When people are looking for who's the glorious leader that's going to be in charge, they don't think, oh, that that three-year-old, let's have him be in charge, or her be in charge. No, it's the insignificant things. And God, Jesus says to them, in my kingdom, if you want to be first, you're actually going to make yourself last. But if you try to put yourself out in the front, you're going to be the last in line. It's backwards. Put yourself down and I'll raise you up. And he gives this teaching about this. It's very insignificant. So to receive one such child like this is to receive me. And to receive me is to receive my Father in heaven. He is teaching us something about discipleship, that when we tend to insignificant people, we are actually tending to Jesus. And what is a significant person anyway? Every single human being is made in the image of God. The Latin phrase imago Dei is kind of significant, image bearers of God. We're in the image of God. And so when you stop to tend to somebody insignificant or take time to listen to somebody that is not going to advance your agenda in any way or give back to you or bless you, you're actually listening to Jesus. You're loving Jesus is what he's saying. When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. This is so important for us. So 
Big discipleship happens in small things, in interaction with people that we would consider insignificant. You know, we're in these Mark study groups, these small groups, and a lot of times there'll be a line of thought in the discussion, and most people are tracking with it. But somebody over here is thinking something totally different and then blurts out something that doesn't seem to make any sense with what everything else was that came just before it. The same thing happened in Jesus' small group. He's holding a child, saying, you have to become least. And, and then John blurts out and says, uh, Rabbi, we saw somebody casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him. Seems to have nothing to do with this child Jesus is holding. But it's another thing that he teaches. He says, don't stop them. Unless they're against us, they're for us. And then he says, if somebody in my name, because you're one of my followers, gives you a glass of water, his reward will by no means be forgotten. Even giving something as insignificant as giving you a glass of water because you're a believer or doing it in my name, that matters. He's still holding the child, and he handles that issue like that. Now, John is upset because this other disciple guy out there that's casting out demons isn't part of the eleven. He's not in the inner circle. He seems to have some of God's power, and John's not happy about this. You know, this happens to us in the church all the time. There's something like 38,000 Christian denominations, and we keep splitting and splitting and fracturing and splitting. And Anglicans are no different than this. All of us pick some things that we like about church, and we think it's the best way and the only way, and then we put everybody else down. We're tempted to do it, and others are tempted to do it to us. I had an experience many years ago where a minister from another church in our city, a bigger church, was doing some ministry with some of our guys and said to one of my staff members, who was bearing fruit in his ministry, hey, when you're ready for the big time, you should leave that church and come be on my staff and be part of the real ministry. To this day, I'm still angry about it because it makes me so frustrated. We say there is one holy Catholic and apostolic church. So you're stealing some of Jesus' work from one place to put it in your own place. That's that thiefdom thinking instead of kingdom thinking with the open hands. And the same thing was going on here. Rabbi, we saw somebody doing ministry in your name over there, so we tried to stop them. How ridiculous is that? That's small, small thinking. And Jesus wants us to think bigger than that. Even the glass of water in your name matters, and that reward will not be lost. So it's in the small things that really matter. Now, then Jesus still holding the child, I think, says, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me, and I think it could be a child or it could be somebody who's new to faith, a brand new Christian, if anyone causes them to stumble, it would be better for you to have a millstone around his neck and be thrown into the sea. Now, Jesus is using big graphic language and hyperbole here because he wants you to realize how important something that seemingly so insignificant could be. You know, how loose are we with our words and our joking and our sarcasm? But our freedoms in Christ can cause other people to stumble if they're not handled well. You know, and we say things like, oh, I was just kidding. It was just a joke. I was just playing around. But you're leading people in a direction. And Jesus is saying, pay attention to that. Are you helping the people around you grow closer to him or further from him? If you cause one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble... It's as significant a consequence as you being thrown into the sea with a millstone around your neck. I mean, it's a ridiculous image. A millstone is like a huge stone wheel that a donkey would turn, and they put grain in it, and it crushes the grain down so they can make bread. And it's like, I don't know, 2,000 pounds or something. Imagine putting that like a wreath on your shoulders. It's such a graphic image. Jesus is saying, 
Your influence on those around you matters a whole lot. Are you leading them to me or away from me? Pay attention to the small things. Oh, and in your own life, if you're entertaining habits and sin, Jesus says, you should cut your hand off if that's where it is because it's better to go into heaven with one hand than with two be thrown into hell. We gotta pay attention to these things. And I wanna say here, context again, Jesus is speaking to his immediate disciples who have come along with him, they've professed faith in him, and they've been part of the miracles and the kingdom, signs and wonders. It's the only place in Mark's gospel he talks about hell, right here. He is not out doing fire and brimstone preaching to scare people into his movement. But he is saying hell is a real thing, and he's cautioning his disciples about what hell is. And he says, it's the Greek word Gehenna, which comes from the valley of Hinnom, which is on the southwest corner of Jerusalem. It was their trash heap, like the Rosemary Hill dump that we have in Clay County. Where does all the trash that we put out to the curb go? It goes down there, and it's buried in the ground. Well, they had a fire burning. They incinerated their trash from the city of Jerusalem, and all day and night, a fire was going. Smoke was going up. It smelled bad. You know, organic materials decaying. Worms are eating stuff. That's where the, the waste goes, and he is saying the sin in your life has no place in the kingdom, and it's going to end up in the trash heap. And he's saying, if your hand causes you to sin, cut your hand off and throw it away. If your foot causes you to sin, cut off. If your eye, gouge it out. He's not meaning literally, because sin does not reside in a body part. It's a heart issue. In fact, it's the overflow of the heart that causes your mouth to speak and sin to come out and the things that make you unclean and make me unclean. But what he is saying is, think about how you use your hand. Your hand is used for violence, can be, used for stealing things. You know, we just said the Ten Commandments, don't steal. If your hand causes you to sin, if there's something in your life that is that stuff, do whatever you have to to get it out of your life. If your foot causes you to sin, well, how did you get here this morning? You drove your car and then you walked in. Your foot is symbolic for the paths you choose to go down. So where has your foot taken you, your feet? Where have they they taken you in the last season? Jesus is saying, pay attention to that stuff. It really matters. It's life and death. It's heaven and hell stuff for discipleship. And your eye, what are your eyes used for? Well, I mean, what the bad stuff of your eye is envy, lust, coveting. What we look at tends to shape what we desire. And I'm saying this to myself as well. Tend to these things because Jesus says we tend to tolerate the sin in our life and he wants it out. You know, as a Floridian, you get the idea of the little alligator, the cute alligator in your pond behind your house. We like, we call him Gator Boy. We think it's good. We think it's cool. It's a Florida thing. You don't want to be feeding a little alligator because eventually he becomes a big alligator and he eats you. That's the idea here. Jesus is saying that sin, that habit in your life, it has no place in my kingdom. It is only fit for the dump. It's, it's for the fire and the worm and decay. And that is ultimately where people end up if they're not willing to let go of those things. We want to hold on to things and it causes hell. C.S. Lewis wisely said, the the door of hell is locked from the inside. God doesn't send people to hell. They choose it because they're not willing to let go of what is worthless and come into the holy and the good and the eternal. And so we stay there. Let me me give you this quote. This is so helpful. I mean, C.S. Lewis is one of the best thinkers on the topic of hell. He says this, hell begins with a grumbling mood, always complaining, always blaming others, but you are still distinct from it. You may even criticize it in yourself and wish you could stop it, but there may come a day when you can no longer. 
then there will be no you left to criticize the mood or even enjoy it, but just the grumble itself going on forever like a machine. It's not the question of God sending us to hell. In each of us, there is something growing up which will itself be hell unless it is nipped in the bud. Jesus is saying, cut it off. Whatever that thing is in your life, cut it off. It's only fit for hell, for the burning fire. It's going to be judged. You don't want any part of it. Get it out of your life. I went to this um, youth camp. It was called Surf City. It was on the coast of Michigan when I was first in ministry. I was fresh as a youth ministry intern, and we went to this camp, and there were a couple hundred kids, and every morning there was a devotion before breakfast, and all these sleepy kids come walking out, a big uh, amphitheater thing on a hillside, and Jerry, the youth pastor, was giving the devotions e- each week, and he, he was very pointed and very helpful and memorable, and I still, 20 years later, remember one of the devotions. As all these sleepy kids are getting there, Jerry walks out with no introduction and shouts, get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. He keeps doing it until we're all like, what's wrong with Jerry? One of the kids that came late left. (laughs) Another sarcastic kid was like smiling, got up, and he walked out. And Jerry's point was this. Get the sin out of your life. That is what God is saying to you. I hate it. My wrath is against it. I I, I want no part in it. Get it out of your life. And here's the, here's the help, though. And this is that salt thing I started the service off with. Jesus says everyone will be salted with fire. And it's a little confusing. In the Old Testament and Leviticus, they were to add salt to their fire offerings of the animals that were burned on the altar. And salt is good, Jesus says. I mean, think about salt. It's used for seasoning. It's used for preservation. It's antiseptic. He says salt is good. And And salt and fire here are referring to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, remember he said, I baptize you with water, but he who's coming after me, he'll baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit will help you get the sin out of your life. He's going to show you what it is, and he's going to help you moment by moment. And Jesus is saying, be salty, be salted with fire, be aware of the Holy Spirit, invite him to come, invite him to help you. Invite him to give you the strength in that moment when you're tempted so that you can overcome it. He will provide the way out. Ask him to help you in these times. That Psalm 90 we read is such a a good one about teaching us to number our days that we might get a heart of wisdom. We are eternal beings, and our time on this life in this planet is very short. And so let's use them wisely. And it's in the small things. It's in a, a child or a weak person and divine appointments. Do you have time for the people God might bring in your path? Or are you so important and self-committed to your calendar that you blow past people? You don't have any margin to welcome and greet and exchange with those. Image bearers of God. Small things. Faith in other denominations. No snobbery here. We're Anglican because of conviction. I, I choose to be Anglican for good reason, but I don't think I'm better than anyone else. There are things I, I don't like about our denomination. There is no perfect church, but there is only one church in this world. We've got to be kingdom-minded people. The small stuff, causing others to stumble. Be so careful about how your words and actions affect those around you. Jesus is saying it matters. Don't abuse grace. And your own sinful habits. There's just, there can be no compromise here. The Lord will lead you. And there's lots of other small things in your life. You know, think about 
what those might be. Invite the Holy Spirit to show you one small thing that you can do, that you can add into your life, or that you can give up, or just say, Holy Spirit, where would you like to work? Because what he does is he shines his convicting light like a laser beam on something. And what the enemy of God does is he smears you with a general shame and says, you're no good. The Holy Spirit says, that's no good. That thing right there, I want that out of your life. And he'll keep working on you and giving you the strength to do it. And when it's gone, then you'll feel the release. But as long as you hold on to it, he's going to keep shining his light. That's why we confess our sins every Sunday. But the Lord loves you, and he loves you so much, he's going to work in your life. If you're one of his, he's going to keep working on you. And I hope you're one of his, because he is so good. Would you pray with me? Lord, sometimes it's really hard to follow you. Oftentimes, in fact. But where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life, and you are preparing us for a kind of glory we can't even imagine yet. Lord, help us moment by moment. I pray for each one of us as we move through this season of Lent and get closer and closer to Good Friday and Easter, I pray that you would stir up within us a holy desire for more of you. Lord, you have so much more for us than we realize. Come, help us as we worship. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I now want to invite you to stand. And let us together join with the church through the ages, professing who it is that we worship and believe in. This is the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again, In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Again, I invite you to kneel if you are able. Otherwise, you can be seated as we join in praying for the church and for our witness in the world. Gracious Lord, it is in you that we take heart, knowing that only sinners can be saved, and how great is your salvation. Create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. We are the sheep of your pasture. You lead us in paths of righteousness and you restore our souls. How pleasant it is to keep company with you, and we enjoy company with one another. 
Pray for a need you see in the church. Lord, in your mercy. Lord Jesus, you are the head of the church, which is your body. We thank you for the ministry of Bishop Neal, and we entrust to you the election of our next bishop. We thank you also for raising up Alex Farmer and John Wallace as candidates and ask you to bless and strengthen them and their families and to give them your peace during this season of discernment. Through your Holy Spirit, guide the electors to choose the man you have called to this ministry. Pray for the election of the next bishop of the Gulf Atlantic Diocese. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, the nations are in an uproar, but we take heart because you rule the nations. Protect us from being deceived or caught up in the wisdom of the world. May we be salt and light so that the world might see you. Pour out your spirit that those who rule in our nation would rule well and the preaching of the gospel would flourish. Pray for a need in our nation. Lord, in your mercy. Father, as we consider your command to love our neighbor as ourselves, slow us down so that we would truly see our neighbor. Show us how to make a space in our lives for our neighbor as Jesus did, so that through us his presence would be felt. Keep us mindful of the fields that are ripe unto the harvest in the kingdom of God. We pray for our mission of the week, Camp Araminta and Grace's Got Talent. Pray for a neighbor or need in our community. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious God, you are full of compassion, and nothing for you is is too difficult. We pray that your renewing and healing spirit would manifest himself in our weakness. Remember those among us who are sick or grieving or enduring great difficulty. We especially pray for Brian, Don, Deanna, Anita, Roberta, Jerry, Kay, Tammy, Bill, Bonnie, Paula, Kay, and Steve. Pray for someone you know who is sick, suffering, or mourning. Lord, in your mercy. O God, our King, by the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the first day of the week, you conquered sin, put death to flight, and gave us the hope of everlasting life. Redeem all our days by this victory. Forgive our sins. Banish our fears. Make us bold to praise you and to do your will. And steal us to wait for the consummation of your kingdom on the last great day. Through Jesus the Messiah, our Lord. 
Amen. Since we've already been assured of our forgiveness, I invite you to stand. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let us extend God's peace to one another. You may be seated. We respond to God's Word in a number of different ways. One is through bringing tithes and offerings, financial gifts as an act of worship. It's how we say, God, you're in charge and not money. It's also how we underwrite His work in our world. And if you're a church member, I'm really grateful for your generosity. Our church has been so faithful in giving, especially through the pandemic. Um, thank you for that. If you're a visitor, I don't expect you to give anything. You're our guest, and it's just so good to be in worship together with you today. Again, I'd love to know that you're with us. Um, if you'd fill out one of those connection cards, you can drop it in the offering plate when it comes and let us know you were here. And anyone who has a prayer request, write it down on the back of the card, and we'll pray for you in our morning prayer time Monday through Friday. We meet at 9 a.m. every day of the week. Uh, if you want to pray with us, you're welcome to come. We just gather right in the transept. It's usually four or five people, and we pray. You're welcome to join us for that. We pray through the morning prayer service and the prayer book, and then pass out the cards, and then we pray for them. Um, also, if you want someone to pray with you today, our prayer ministry team will receive communion right where I'm standing, and then they're going to be on the wall of the transept. Go over there and ask them to pray with you for whatever you need. And if you're afraid that someone will get there first, you don't have to wait till you get communion. You can just bolt over there, get prayer, and then get in line for communion. And if you miss communion, we'll have it on the credence table. Come up after and say, hey, I was getting prayer and I didn't get communion. We'll, we'll take care of you. But get prayer this morning. God hears our prayers, and He is mighty to answer them and to help. So I want to encourage you with that. Also, we come to the Lord's table. Even as the prayer appointed for this Sunday said, Jesus is our bread. He nourishes us. He feeds us, and He is present in His sacrament. If you belong to the Lord, you are welcome at the table here. That means you're baptized and following Jesus. You don't have to be an Anglican or a member of this church. If that describes you, you can come forward and uh, kneel or stand at the rail. Hold out your hands flat like this. You'll receive a wafer of bread, um, and you can... Uh, eat that bread. Um, and if for any reason you don't want to participate, uh, just come up and cross your arms like this. And in place of the wafer, we'll say a prayer and ask God to bless you. And if you need a gluten-free option, just instead of placing your hands like that, place them palms down, and then we'll know we can accommodate that. So now let us walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice unto Almighty God.
things come from You, O Lord, and of Your own have we given You. The Lord be with You. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right our duty and our joy, always and everywhere, to give thanks to You, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. You bid Your faithful people cleanse our hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast, that fervent in prayer and in works of mercy and renewed by Your Word and sacraments, we may come to the fullness of grace, which You have prepared for those who love You. Therefore, we praise You, joining our voices with angels and with archangels and all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of Your name. invite you to kneel if you are able, otherwise you can be seated as we continue in prayer. All praise and glory is yours, O God, our Heavenly Father, for in your tender mercy you gave your only Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption. He made there by his one oblation of himself once offered a full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world. And he instituted and in his holy gospel commanded us to continue a perpetual memory of his precious death and sacrifice until his coming again. And so now, O merciful Father, in your great goodness, we ask you to bless and sanctify with your word and with your Holy Spirit these gifts of bread and wine, that we, receiving them according to your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ's holy institution, in remembrance of his death and passion, may be partakers of his most blessed body and blood. For on the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup, And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, O Lord and Heavenly Father, according to the institution of your dearly beloved Son, our Savior Jesus, we, your humble servants, celebrate and make here before your divine majesty with these holy gifts, the memorial your son commanded us to make, remembering his blessed passion and precious death, his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension, and his promise to come again. 
And now I invite the congregation to join with me in this next prayer. And here we offer and present to you, O Lord, ourselves, our souls, and bodies to be a reasonable, holy, and living sacrifice. And we humbly pray that all who partake of this holy communion may worthily receive the most precious body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Be filled with your grace and heavenly benediction and be made one body with him that he may dwell in us and we in him. And all this we ask through Jesus, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now as our Savior Jesus has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And remembering that in Lent, Sundays are not fasting days, they're days of feasting. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed once for all upon the cross. Therefore, let us keep the feast. These are the gifts of God, and they are given for you, the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. This is the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Jesus Christ Leave behind your regrets and mistakes Come today, there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy from the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling Oh come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Oh come to the altar the Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of 
Prepare your cross as you wait for the crown Tell the world of the treasure you found
Worthy is the Lamb that was slain for us. The Son of God and man, you are high and lifted up. And all the world will praise your great name. Your great name. Your great name. The Lord has reminded us of his love. He's fed us from his table, so let's return to him in thanks. Join me in this prayer, please. Almighty and ever-living God, we thank you for feeding us in these holy mysteries with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for assuring us through this sacrament of your favor and goodness towards us that we are true members of the mystical body of your Son, the blessed company of all faithful people, and are also heirs through hope of your everlasting kingdom. And we humbly ask you, Heavenly Father, to assist us with your grace that we may continue in that holy fellowship and do all the good works that you have prepared for us to walk in through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. All right. If you have ever been to Camp Araminta or a leader or student, I want to invite you to come up here. Everyone else can be seated. Our mission of the week is Camp Araminta, and we have a really fun video that's about a minute and 45 seconds long. They're going to go ahead and cue that up. Camp Araminta was started by this church a number of years ago, and it's now a diocesan-wide youth camp. 
You might not be aware of this, but statistics have shown that most Christians gave their lives to Christ before the age of 18. So that early adolescent and adolescent age is so important to hear the gospel in a fun week like that. What's different about Araminta than Soul in the City is Soul in the City, you have to be at least um, junior high or up. But Araminta starts with fourth graders. And so we sent um, a bunch of people last year, 25 people and four adults. We're doing it again this summer. Maybe as an adult, you might feel called to go do some ministry to kids and, you know, change eternity for their lives. You might be the first adult that shares the gospel with them, and they, they will remind you of that for the next million years. I mean, no stakes or anything, right? But we do a fundraiser um, called Grace Has Got Talent. It's a fun show. We, we have a talent show, and it's a way that we provide some scholarships. So that's coming up on May 1st. If you have a talent or a joke that you would like to share, you've got to let Jennifer know by Easter Sunday. I've already heard Rob's getting a, a, a song together with some musicians. Uh, Deacon Luke, is this year he's going to reenact and bring into our presence Luke Skywalker. He was William Wallace last time. Um, so if you want to be part of that show, let us know what your talent is. But it always sells out because we have a dinner as part of the tickets. And so we can only fit so many people in our fellowship hall. So sign up soon. All these people can tell you about Araminta. Um, they're going to be at the mission kiosk back there. And I just want to pray for the camp this summer and for the talent show. So let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for the gift of youth ministry and kids ministry that, have, that has brought so many people to faith in you. Lord, I pray for Araminta this summer that even more kids from our church and from around our diocese would come. I pray for more leaders, and I ask for the resources necessary. Lord, um, be in the midst of our talent show. I pray for a really fun night um, that underwrites the camp, but also builds fellowship in our church. And I ask this all in your holy name. Amen. Thank you all. They'll be back there at the mission kiosk. Um, And just a reminder, Palm Sunday is the 10th of April, one service at 10 a.m., outside. Come about 9.15 under the tent. We'll have refreshments and stuff beforehand, and then we'll do a, a, a palm procession from our flagpole out to the service out by the barn. So come at 9.15. Service starts at 10. It will be broadcast online, live, and then the recording will stay up there if you can't make it. Um, so now I invite you to stand for our blessing and then our concluding song. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you today and remain with you always. Amen. Let's sing. Fire shining in the dark 
tell the world of who you are All I am is yours I give you all my life I'm letting it go A living sacrifice No longer my own All I am is yours All I am is yours I give you everything To you I belong Every beat of my heart Breath in my lungs, all I am is yours, all I am is yours. I lift my hands up, God, I surrender all that I am for your glory, your honor, your fame. I lift my hands up, God, I surrender to you. I give you all my life. I'm letting it go, a living sacrifice, no longer my own. All I am is yours, all I am is yours. I give you everything, to you I belong. Every beat of my heart, the breath in my lungs. All I am is yours, all I am is yours. It is yours. Now let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. I know that you are good. I know that you are kind. You are so much more what I leave behind. I know that I'm love. I know that I am safe. It's even in the fire to live is Christ to joy is gain. I know that you are I am saved 